Jones crowded off. Third and one. They go to the up-back Stevenson, and he gets free and into the end zone. Freddie Stevenson's fourth score of the year. Everything that I've been through in my past, everything that all the struggles, all the obstacles. Jeff Collins told us their fullback is a weapon. We have to account for him. Kylan Johnson is going to close in. He's going to hit Stevenson. As she orders it, the total comes out to a dollar and five cents. And we didn't know at the time that my mom only had a dollar to her name. And Stevenson just bounces right off of that. And takes the but this is one cheeseburger for five people. Like, that was the worst it ever got. So why is it that the beast is so damn tough? They built me and they made me into the person that I've become today. At the time, I didn't know I was going through them, but they made me stronger. They made me wiser. So damn Welcome to the Toughness Podcast. My name is Paddy Steinfurt, your host. And today we have Freddie Stevenson on, who is an inspiring story just simply when you look at his life story, let alone the fact that he made it to the NFL and is now devoting his life to helping uplift others. Freddie, welcome to the show. Uh, thank you for having me. Great to have you on. And I alluded there in the intro to your backstory, but firstly, just to share with people how accomplished you are as a professional athlete and then also as an author now. When you're being talked about to walk on stage as a public speaker or someone's introducing you as, as the author, what do, they, what do they touch on? What's the biggest standout part of your story, do you think? Of course, they always mention the fact that I was able to win a national championship at Florida State, <laughs> played for the Bears, and now that I'm an author. And that in itself is a blessing, especially when you think about the journey and what I overcame. But those are the three things that catches everybody's attention. So I always get introduced by that. Yeah. Any one of the audience would be happy to be able to list one of those as a life achievement. Like played in the national championship. That's amazing. Played in the NFL. Fantastic. Uh, published author, amazing, and it also speaks to the breadth of the audience that we have here. So, really cool that we do have some, you know, a number of people who follow who are into sports or athletes themselves. We obviously have a large following in the military, but also there are people who are trying to achieve their own goals. Some of which are trying to write a book, be authors, be published, and so you're going to cover the gamut of people's passions here. Looking forward to digging into it. But like I mentioned in the intro, you have a fascinating. I think fascinating is probably a bit of a, a trite word to use for it because it probably wasn't that fascinating while you're in it growing up. You, you had a pretty rough childhood and it obviously steeled you for what was ahead. But as I did my research getting ready for, to have you on, one of the best things that I saw in your story was something that's hidden, a little clue that's hidden in your social media handle. Yeah, without a doubt. When you take a look at all my social media platforms, you'll see that my handle is strugglemade105. And for the longest, everybody was asking me if that's my area code where I'm from. Right, that's what I thought. What is the area code, 105? I don't don't even know. Uh, I'm not sure. No, all right. I'm going to have to look that up. But anyway, (laughs) I can look it up after this as well. (laughs) But it was a story from my childhood. Times weren't always bad, but my father early on in our life, he got incarcerated for drug trafficking. So all the good times that we had, they immediately changed. And my mother, she immediately had to shift and raise five kids on her own without any help. And we had our ups and downs, but one thing she always prided herself on was making sure that we had at least something to eat on the table. 
whether it was just a piece of bread, whatever it may be. And when you get into the story of my social media handle, there's one night in particular, it's like eight in the evening. We hadn't eaten all day. And my baby sister, she's crying, wondering where what we're going to eat. And she's wondering why mom hasn't fed us yet. And my mom, she was kind of rattled. We seen her rattled. So she just gathered everybody together and she started walking us. We didn't have a car. So she's pushing my baby sister in the stroller and we come up on the McDonald's. So as we walk up on the McDonald's, we go inside and my mother orders a cheeseburger. And we look around, we're confused. Like there's five of us. We usually, worst case scenario, we all getting our own loaf of bread at least. But this is one cheeseburger for five people. Like that was the worst it ever got. Five hungry people. Yeah, five hungry people. And then we're thinking like mama got to split some of this too. So as she orders it, the total comes out to a dollar and five cents. And we didn't know at the time that my mom only had a dollar to her name. So she hands the clerk at the cash register the dollar and she asks her if it's okay if she doesn't have the nickel. And for some reason, the woman that day, she must've been having a bad day. She wouldn't allow her to get the cheeseburger with that dollar. So we had to watch our mom beg for a nickel and it was embarrassing just watching that. And it was a tough time. That's when it really hit. Somebody was generous enough to give her that nickel. And we all were looking around. Everybody's watching us, kind of looking down on us. And we walked outside. My mother walked us outside. And she just started slicing it up into five pieces. She hands it out to everybody. And we started eating. And as we're eating, my older sister notices that my mom isn't eating. And she immediately asked her, why, why she wasn't eating. And my mom, she just kind of paused for a bit. And then the rest of us started looking around at each other. Like, mom, just take a piece of our, our burger. And she was turning it down and she just burst into tears. And that just stood with me for the longest. And it's, it's been ultimately what drove me all of this time. That's a, an amazing story. A very vivid picture you paint there. And if that doesn't tug at the heartstrings, then, then nothing will... The picture of the family of five sitting out there with just mom and, and eating at bits of a cheeseburger. What, what, what part of America did you grow up in, Freddie? Where was that? We're um, in Florida. In Florida? I'm in Florida right now. I actually was picturing a McDonald's in Florida that I drove past just this morning as you <laughs> told that story. And so that would sear itself into your memory and into your heart and into your gut. Like there's, that's a very strong experience that you went through. What do you think when you say struggle made 105? So the 105 definitely refers to the dollar five at that cost that your mom didn't have. But when you say struggle made, what does that mean to you? Everything that I've been through in my past, everything that all the struggles, all the obstacles, they built me and they made me into the person that I've become today. At the time, I didn't know I was going through them, but they made me stronger. They made me wiser and they built me for the journey today. And I ultimately, I truly believe that I'm exactly where I need to be at times. I didn't know why it was happening. I was like, God, come on now. Like, I thought this was for me. But it's prepared me for this moment to come back and impact lives. And that struggle, coming through that struggle, prepared me for this moment. So when I do face obstacles, I can push harder. I won't quit. So I appreciate every single struggle. I appreciate the good times. I appreciate the bad times because they made me the man that I am today. Really cool. So you're, you're effectively saying you were made by the struggle. Yeah, without a right? doubt. Yeah. 
And so tell me one thing that, that stands out to you besides that story in the parking lot of McDonald's in Florida. Besides that story, like what is it, what is a lesson that you learned as you went through that that you took, let's say, to the next step? Because a lot of people who I interview here who talk about the fact that, yeah, times can be tough and they can be shit, but often that will be what sets you up for the next challenge that you're going to face. So as you go from being a child in that, you know, living in poverty and, and seeing what you see, learning what you learn from life, give, dealing you that hand, and you arrive at Florida State, right, one of the most celebrated football schools in the country, what challenge did you face there that you drew upon your experience growing up in that childhood that you think helped you at Florida State? I think I got one that before Florida State, and I got a few at Florida okay. State. Yeah, okay. So in high school, I ended up being one of the top 15 linebackers in the country coming out. But early on, I didn't have any offers. I was going into the end of my junior season without any offers. And I was wondering where they were going to come from. I was one of the top look at guys in my area. So I thought they were going to come at some point. Second to last game of the season, I break my leg. I break my fibula, my ankle. I lose all the cartilage in my ankle and I fracture a few bones in my foot. And I go to the hospital and they tell me that my career is over. I'll never play again. So in my mind, it just was hard to register because I, at that moment when I told my mom when we were younger and I saw her do what she had to do with that burger, I made a promise to her early on. I was like, mom, I'm going to make it to the NFL. I'm going to change our family situation. So I remember telling the doctors, arguing back and forth with them. They had to bring people in to calm me down. Like, man, listen, y'all don't understand. I made a promise to her. And I looked at the x-rays. They looked horrible. It looked bad. It didn't look good for me. It doesn't sound good. And I was like, man, I made a promise to her. I don't know how I'm going to do it, but I'm going to honor that promise. And I would just remember going through rehab, not knowing when the light of the, at the end of the tunnel would come. I didn't know. Nobody was calling. And I, times at times, I was doubting myself. Like, who's going to take a chance on a guy who didn't have any offers before, and now he has a major injury that nobody knows he's going to bounce back from? Hmm. But all I could do was go in and bust my ass every day and rehab and control what I can control. And I remember getting calls. The first call I got it was from UMass, Allen Super. That's a name I got written down. I'll never forget it. I'm sitting on my bed. My leg's elevated every day. I have to go chill and keep my leg elevated after rehab. And I was like bed bound for like four to five months before I go back to school. I'm being homeschooled and everything. He reaches out to me. He says, I looked at your film. We saw the injury, but we think you're going to bounce back. We're going to take a chance on you. I just remember crying tears and like, man, I got an opportunity to chase my dream even further. But it was in the midst of that darkness where there were times where I wanted to give up. Everybody was telling me to give up, but I continued to push forward. I continued to fight. And I think that all came back from some of the struggles I faced when I was younger. I had no doubt that one leads to the other. And you've kind of touched on two points there. One is the ability to sit in discomfort and still be aware. And then the other is to persevere. Like you said, just keep going, just keep going, right? So it's a little bit about emotional, what I would call emotional endurance if I was sitting with you as an athlete. Is that what toughness means to you? We often ask guests what their definition of toughness is. And it's not always just being able to grit your teeth and hang on. Like given everything else that you've been through, is that what stands out to you as what you would call toughness or is it something else? Yeah, my definition of toughness is, I would say it's different because when you fast forward, I know you just asked about 
my college experience. And I came out of high school as one of the top linebackers. And I remember getting switched to fullback. So early on, I had to be tough. It's like, dang, all this adversity is crazy. Most guys would have transferred, but I continued to fight even when it was doubts creeping in my mind. But I think part of it is looking in the mirror and understanding, okay, some of these situations I put myself into and I could blame the world right now, but the situation is what it is. Being able to deal with that reality and understanding the reality is what it is. But now your response is more important than ever. And I think that more than ever is what toughness is to me, being able to be resilient through those dark times and responding to adversity when it comes. Because life's a roller coaster. You can be up and then tomorrow you'll be down. So it's about being able to respond to those dark times. Yeah, 100%. I was just on a call earlier today with a bunch of NBA coaches and we were talking about coaching, funnily enough. But one of them was talking about their definition of resilience and they said, you know, when we talk to the players, we ask them, what does NBA stand for? And they say, never broke again. And they're joking around. <laughs> and it's kind of funny, but kind of true. Not always true, though. And he said, well, that, here's the thing. It actually stands for next best action because it's not all glamour. You're going to get kicked. You're going to get knocked down. All you can ever do is be like, what am I going to do now? Given the reality that we're in, like, don't wish it was different. It is what it is. And I really... You know, that just resonated with me because you just literally said the same thing coming from a different field. Very cool. The fields of elite sport are obviously related, even though it's a different sport. Football and basketball share a common bond and they deal with very similar stresses. And it's another thing that connects athletes with military operators and emergency medical personnel and police and firefighters, first responders, is that you, you have to deal with in the game, whether it's Florida State or the Chicago Bears, you have to deal with situations that require an immediate response and require you to bounce back quickly and require you to focus with all sorts of distractions going on. So in and amongst that, let's just section that off from you being a published author as well. But if we're just looking at the in-the-moment performer of an athlete, for you, what are the one or two key traits that you had as well as toughness, or perhaps that's the one and only thing you're going to highlight, that you think are actually super important to being really good in those pressure situations? Number one was never shying away from the moment. The moment was never too big. And the people that shine the brightest, you'll see that in them. They treat every game the same, the big games, the small games. There's no moment too big for them. They don't overthink it. They just go out there and play. And when I was able to play at the highest level, it just I just let everything come to me. I, I trusted my training and I went out there and, and did what I was supposed to do. And you just react to what takes place. And I think that's the biggest thing. Some people have put themselves in a mind frame where they're worried about what's going to take place. And that leads to mistakes. And when you come out worried about what's going to go wrong, now you're tricking yourself, you're playing cautious, and you're going to put yourself in a situation where you're either going to get embarrassed or you're going to get hurt. So just going out there, and not allowing the moment to be too big for you. Trust your training and go out there and play. And that applies in so many different areas in life. You'll see a lot of people get stressed out, worried about what's next, what's next. All I can do is control what takes place today and the effort I put forward to make sure that I'm achieving my goals that I set out today. You're listening to Toughness, a podcast where some of the world's best performers from different fields share their personal stories about pressure, stress, and success. 
This series of interviews is a product of the Human Performance Think Tank, with thanks to the U.S. Army and Booz Allen Hamilton. Coming up later in the show. Where the mind goes, the body follows. If I would have gave up mentally, then my body would have followed. I don't believe I would have recovered if I gave up in my mind. So damn A lot of the top performers, you look at their best quarterbacks, you look at the best point guard centers, whatever it is, and, and that you can see on TV each day, they're the ones who generally will take the big moments and the small moments the same. They're not they're not up and down along with the roller coaster that is professional sports. You saying that makes it sound like you did it. Like how if you don't mind me asking, how old are you now? I'm 25. 25? Yeah. Wow, what a baby. Yeah. But at 25, you probably think about it differently than you did when you were 19 at Florida State, right? And so Talk us through those times where like either you switch positions from being a linebacker in high school to being a fullback in college to either that moment or a national championship moment, or maybe if it's, it's even you, you have to go and try out, you know, I, I know that you had to go and actually earn your place with the Chicago Bears. It wasn't like you got drafted first round and it was all gravy. So are there moments in there where even though you know that you should treat every moment the same, your body feels different? Um, yeah, definitely. When I came into college, I had to learn how to think that way, to be honest. My eyes were all over the place. It's a new environment. I'm learning a new position. That fullback, I'm not even going to lie to you. I came in not knowing the, how to truly play the position. So I came in like a deer in the headlights all the time, just looking around, worried about making mistakes. And early on, I was making a lot of them. But my talent got me out of some of those tough spots. But it took time for me to develop and just being around a lot of other elite talents that had had success and that kind of helped me out as well. But to be honest with you, once I got to the NFL, it was already molded into me by that point. So it was just football at that point. I, it comes easier to some than others. By that point, it was, I just had to play. I didn't let any of the outside factors get in my way. I just was focused and locked in and I knew that everything I did up to that point, the success I had happened for a reason. So I just stayed true to the process and trusted the plan. Right. And so even in the face of like, this is like the American Idol equivalent of a tryout. Like you turn it up, it's not as weird as that. You don't all have numbers. Well, technically you do have numbers on your front, but you don't turn up and like put a sticker on yourself and try and prove yourself in front of a thousand people. It's like, there's what, 10 invitees, maybe 15 who are not signed, but we're just going to see how we go. And you have to go out there and show your thing, right? Mm -hmm. And so it's the same as going to selection in the military or having a surgical registrar in medicine. Like you're trying to make that ultimate step to become the elite at what you do. That doesn't create any more noise and distraction for you. Like I'm, I'm listening to that and I'm like, yeah, we all went to college and we all found a new environment and there was a lot of extra things to look at. It's great. But most people kind of make their way through college. You turn up at the pros trying to get into the cream of the cream. And you were saying by then it wasn't, it was like water off a duck's back. Yeah. I think it goes back to my training in college. Our coach, it was an NFL system that we had, so he mm. prepared us. Everybody, when we left that university, we were prepared. So going in and seeing that, okay, this is a lot of the same stuff that we went through, it wasn't really an adjustment for me. It was just learning a different terminology and just going out there and playing at that point. So 
that was the biggest thing, being prepared the way I was when I was in college helped make that transition smoother. So I wasn't really nervous. And I had developed the confidence just from going out and having that level of success. And a lot of it goes back to your training. Yeah, and that, that success does lead to, to confidence, but also having handled, even if you didn't succeed, having handled tough times, which you've obviously been through a few of through that childhood. The thing that often comes up when I raise that example, right, where, you, where it's like, okay, we're all on the line here and I'm going for this contract or I'm in the Super Bowl and there's the last X number of minutes, like there are moments that they refer to in military training as immersion events, which means once we get in here, it's actually worse to try and get it out than it is to actually finish the job. Like we're about to kick a door down in a village in Afghanistan. Once we kick that door down, we can't turn around and just walk away. Like shit's about to pop off. And so I was expecting you to be like that when you get to the, as an undrafted free agent, trying out and your NFL team, it's like, all right, I'm here now and I can't go back. Like, is that the best example of your type of an immersion event? Or is there something else in your journey where it was a little bit like, holy shit, this is real now. I can't go back. Yeah, I think college, Without when I went into college, <laughs> it was, I remember I, before I got switched, I came in as a linebacker. They allowed me the opportunity to play linebacker before switching me. And I, I remember we were in a drill early on and I was a confident guy. Everybody comes in confident. We were the best everywhere. So it's a sense of pride. And I was like, man, listen, I'm gonna have an opportunity to come in and play as a freshman. And I remember one of the upperclassmen, we were in the drill, full pass, he came and smacked me. And I realized early on, this is not high school. And right. I was like, man, this is no going back. I got to get ready. And I was coming into practices like, yeah, I got a lot of learning to do, a lot of growing to do because this is going to be tough if I don't grow. And that was really my you can't go back moment. You got to continue to grow. And I just remember being home after practices like, dang, man, they're, they're killing me right now. Like, I got to figure this thing out. And that was definitely my moment. That's why I believe college definitely prepared me and it got some of those jitters out of the way for me. Yeah. And so in the face of those moments, there are a few responses. One, people can kind of freeze, right? And they're just like, I don't really know what to do. I'm just going to hopefully just keep doing what I'm doing and I'll get through it, right? Other people may actively or subconsciously start to avoid those situations. But it sounded like you took a third route, which was, all right, here we go. I'm going to lean right into this and I've got to grow. Is that how you took it? Or like, did it literally happen that night when you were back at your dorm? Or is it an evolution over a month or two after you've been smacked by the big guy on campus? I think it was it was an evolution over over time. I still had that mindset just from what I've overcome. So a resilient mindset. So I'm going home, I'm frustrated, my head's all over the place spinning. But in my head, it's like, man, okay, I know I'm new to this. It's going to be a, a learning process. But I know without a doubt in my mind, I can have success at this level. So now it's just about putting extra time into studying and mastering my craft. And within at the end of that spring, I was able to shock all the coaches' minds to where I'm going into fall camp and they're giving me opportunity to start. And when I came in, they didn't truly know if I was going to be one of those guys because I believe I was – a I was the 15th ranked in the country, but I was the lowest ranked guy in that class. We had four linebackers coming in in that class ranked higher than me. So on the outside looking in, I'm the guy that's supposed to transfer. But I came in and made an impression early. Yeah. And obviously went on to 
make a place on that team to win a national championship. How much does, from everything that you went through in your childhood, then the challenges of getting into a college versus, okay, now you're in a great college, but they want you to switch positions, like there's multiple trials back to back to back, and then you end up winning a national championship. And that feeling, as I've heard other people describe it here, is like nothing else because it's a group of individuals you won't be able to build a dynasty with. That's the end of it. As soon as you win, everyone moves on to the to the pros or everyone finishes college and that's that. It's a very unique window in time. How did it feel for you given everything you've been through? And it's the title of your book, Trials to Triumph. It really is an example. This is the first example. You've gone through multiple trials to become a national champion. Did that add to the sweetness of it or was it you were more interested in just being in the moment with the boys? I think it definitely added to the sweetness because there were times throughout the year, I'm like, man, is this position change really for me? You're considering moving on. And just a year and a half ago, I'm being told that I wouldn't play football again. And then fast forward a year and a half, you're holding up a national championship trophy. And then you think about all the other obstacles I overcame along the journey. It definitely made it worth it. And I was happy that I didn't quit. And if I would have gave up, I would have never had a chance to experience that light at the end of the tunnel. So I'm just happy that I had people in my life around me that built this inside of me. And then my obstacles that I went through, they made it to where I was able to be resilient through times like this. And the reward was great. It's not a feeling like it. That's uh, that's really cool. And you get for people who can't see the video, you can see Freddie's face light up multiple times during that little sentence there, talking about number one that at the end there saying there's the feeling there's nothing like it, and you could see it in his face that it's like pure joy. But you also mentioned that another part that made you smile there was the people that helped you along the way. And it's a really underrated part of most people's journey is that we see this person who's succeeded against the odds and they're full of grit and they're an amazing example, which Freddie, you are, and that's all credit to you. But there are often people behind the scenes underneath this person, lifting them and pushing them on, or in some cases, compelling them to keep going. So I want to just divert a sec before we go on to your NFL story and then further to what you're doing now. Where's your mom at nowadays? She's at home. I'm actually back here. I just saw her not too long ago. But yeah, she's at, she's at home. Awesome, awesome. Well, tell her that we said hi and we appreciate her and what she did for you. But she's obviously one of the heroes for you. What would you say is the one thing that your mom taught you that you still carry with you today that helped you deal with some of these trials to get to triumph? The biggest thing is just watching how she lived her life. Times weren't always the easiest, but you never heard her complain. She always found a way to fight through and keep going. The situation was what it was, but life goes on. Nobody cares. You should hear the saying all the time. Nobody cares. Work harder. And <laughs> that's exactly what she did. I, I watched her do it. So you can sit here and complain, but you or you can go out there and try to do something to change your life. And that's what she embodied. Yeah. It's a nicer way, a much more politically correct way of saying something that I often will say when I'm sitting with an athlete or a performer or a leader who is talking about how it's not fair and they feel this way or that way about some type of way about an event that's happening around them is that the game or life doesn't give a shit how you feel like and your mama says it a little better than I do but you know, <laughs> nobody cares work harder 
Besides your mother, though, who else? You said you were one of five kids? Yeah. Right? I, would, I would say my father. My father, he got out of prison later on in my childhood. And just having that father figure back in my life, and he changed his life completely around coming from, he had, what, 22 felonies. And it's crazy. He made a complete transition. Now he's a pastor. So having that wisdom from all the different obstacles he overcame, the life that he was living, and now he's at a different place. Just all those times I was going through when I broke my leg, when I wanted, when I was thinking about giving up, having that wisdom, when I was in school, he saw me going down a bad road, just having that wisdom, like, man, listen, I've done this. I know what you're doing. Like, just having that wisdom to keep you on the right track. And when I wanted to give up, having that wisdom so that, I would continue to believe and fight through because where the mind goes, the body follows. If I would have gave up mentally, then my body would have followed. I don't believe I would have recovered if I gave up in my mind. I just kept putting it in my mind that I was going to overcome that injury and play in the NFL. And once I put that, my body followed. Yeah, I wasn't 100%. I'm not 100% to this day, but I put it in my mind that I was going to play in the NFL. So it wasn't nothing, anything stopping me. He played a big role in that. That's really cool. Where the mind goes, the body follows. And so your mind went to the NFL and your body followed. You made the roster at the Chicago Bears. Tell us about that experience. It, was, it, still, it wasn't probably how you would have written it up. You'd probably still be playing at 25 if you were the author of it. But like you said, life does things, right? Tell yeah. us your experience there and... Again, it wasn't all smooth sailing, so more trials. What, what did you face as a pro? Yeah, so I didn't actually end up making the roster. I signed with them coming out. I was the highest paid free agent on their squad, and I went through OTAs, mini camp, training camp, and they ended up bringing in a guy that they had had experience with two years ago. And I remember going through that situation, just looking at it from the outside, looking in, I'm usually a guy that controls what he controls, but I'm like, man, listen, this is one of their guys, so I can't mess up. I know if my college coach was in here right now, he'll do whatever he could to make sure I made this roster. So any mistake that I make, they're going to use it against me. And I was killing it. I was catching all the odds of the coaches, but I still knew, like, no matter what I did, all they need is one reason. And I remember playing against the Titans. And I got a carry. I had a few catches in the preseason, a few carries. I had a carry. I got a first down, and I reached out for it. And the guy poked the ball. Was got the refs going back and forth, whether or not it's a fumble, whether I was down. But they called it a fumble on the field. And the replay is kind of blocked off. The angle is kind of blocked off. And I remember going back to the sideline. And I was like, man, this is going to be the reason. This is the reason they were looking for it. And I gave it to them. And just going through that process, it was tough because, like you said, life will deal you hands that you, you don't necessarily have any control over. And up to this point, my whole life, ball was just about the best players. Everybody, The best players always play. But once you get to a certain level, there are things outside of your control that you have no – you can't control it. So I was like, man, it isn't, it isn't fair, but it is what it is. I'm not going to cry. I'm going to keep balling and do my thing. And they ultimately decided to move in another direction, but – I believe that I was going to be on a team within a few days. The thing that caught me off guard was when teams were reaching out to me, all these teams that had interest in me, heavy interest, teams that were talking about drafting me coming out, but they went in other directions. They were like, man, they were reaching out to my camp. Like, Does he have character issues? Because there's no reason this guy should have beat him out. 
I'm like, dang, that's never been like a stigma over me my whole entire career. I, I was a team captain in college. You ask anybody, like you can ask the janitor in the building in college, like they'll tell you like, I'm one of the most high character guys you'll meet. I treat everybody the same, not a respective person. I respect character. So I treat people the way I want to be treated. And just going through, I think that maybe there was a dark cloud over me because of that, but it was what it was. I was just going out in workouts, killing them. And my agent, he was becoming frustrated, just wondering where that next opportunity would come from. And I remember getting discouraged at that point because I knew my whole entire career, the ability spoke for itself. And I ultimately went to the Apollos League, the Alliance League, Mm -hmm. and that league folded. So I found myself in a situation where I'm just trying to figure out what's next. And it was tough. I had times where it got dark, almost like lost everything. But I was able to climb out of that darkness and find my purpose. Yeah. You are listening to Toughness. And if you're this far into the episode, there's a good chance you like the show. You can add to the conversation with the whole review, rate, subscribe, and share thing. If this helps just one person who needs to hear what our guests share to get them through today, it'll all be worth it. Stay tuned for more coming up, including... Trust the process. Don't try to rush it. Don't try to get to the end of the road. Just just trust it because you're going through everything that you're going through for a reason. So damn so you go to the NFL, you, you're in the NFL, there's a dream unfolding right before you. You've got the pads on, you're running out on an NFL field with the team, getting carries, making catches, and something happens in a game that leads the decision makers to be like, oh, we're going to go with someone else because that's the cutthroat world you're in, right? And that yeah. leads you down a path of uncertainty. And there you are sitting, waiting for a call, not sure where your life's going because this is what you've dreamed about, right? How do you get to the point where you're like, okay, this is a this is a dark time? You just said there were some dark times, and then I'm clicking my fingers because it's and I know that it didn't happen that quick. But if we press fast forward or we just skip to the next episode, you're a published author. Like it's such a huge jump and a left turn that not many football players will do, let alone pro athletes. It, you do have an amazing story, but what was the thing that led you to do that? Were you always interested in writing or was it more about, I want, I got to share my story? I would say I was always interested in writing, but when you ask anybody that knows me, they always joke saying they knew I was going to be a, a writer. I had a unique ability in college. Whenever we had like essays due and like our classes, I would just wait till the last day and like BS it and get an A plus. Uh-huh. They would hate me for it. I remember I was in ninth grade I'm talking about ninth grade. I was a freshman in college. And one of the seniors on that national championship team, we had the same writing tutor. And he came to me one day. He was like, man, who's writing your papers? I'm like, nobody's writing my papers. He's like, man, there's no way you're writing these papers. And then the tutor was like, yeah, he's good. And I don't know. It's just something I've always been interested in doing. And just some of the situations I've overcome, I just wanted to use my story to help someone out. But I didn't necessarily know how I would do that when I was still thinking about that football dream. And I remember one of my mentors reaching out to me one day when I was just trying to figure out that next step in life. And he he asked me to come speak at an event. It was like an all-star game in the area. And I was the headliner. And I was nervous. I'm like, man, I never, I never did public speaking before. I was the guy on the team that was quiet. And if I said something... It was short and sweet and everybody listened, but I never was that rah-rah guy. And 
I was nervous. I remember they paid me money to come. And I'm like, dang, they paid me all this money to come. And I'm on my way to the event. And I almost called them and was like, man, listen, I got to go. I got to turn back around. You can have the money and everything. Like, I can't do this. <laughs> but I stuck with it. That next phase in life, it's the scariest thing ever. That transition, it can be scary because you don't know. You don't truly know what's next. Yeah. But all I could do was take that step forward. I knew I wasn't going back, like you said. This is an emergent event. You're just <laughs> describing it right here. You're like, you get to the school, you're like, I'm, I'm gonna give you the money back. I don't want a part of this. But you went through with it, obviously, right? You did you gave that talk. So, how did you get yourself from the point of like, I'm willing to give up money so that I don't have to do this? I'm I will pay you to get out of it. Mm-hmm. How do you go from that to still getting on stage and doing something that is incredibly Fun fact for listeners and for you, Freddie. Did you know that the number one fear of human beings is public speaking? Above and beyond blood, going to hospital, all the things that everyone, phobias, spiders, everything else, plane crashes, the number one fear is public speaking. So you went from, hell no, I don't want to do this, I will pay you to get out of it, to doing the thing that people fear the most. What was your little trick there in that 20 minutes to flip you from, I want to get out to, all right, I'll do it. I had to psych myself out. I was talking to myself and just looking around. I was like, man, listen, they were able to pay you from this event and you're the headliner. They're not coming to laugh at you. They're not coming to watch you fall on your face. These people are coming to see you. They're paying to see you perform. Do you think? So, yeah, now it's like a whole different mindset. They're not against you. They're with you. So you just go out there and you be you. You mess up, this is your first time, they're here with you. They know it's your first time. And that's really what psyched me out. And I went out there, and I'm going to be absolutely honest, it was terrible. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I was waiting for you, so I'm going to be honest, I crushed it. No, it was terrible? It, it was terrible, but the response from my speech was crazy because they related to the realness and the passion. And people were coming up to me after saying that I impacted their lives. And my mentor, he came over to me. He's a, a big speaker in the area. He's like, this is what you're supposed to be doing. And he just, he recorded the whole speech. I don't know if he still has it, but he's recorded off his phone. And he's showing me different things. It's like, man, you didn't even know that you, like, he's showing me, like, man, you got into it. Like, you didn't even realize that you got into it. He's like, that's why the people were able to relate. Some of those other minor details you'll be able to fix over time with practice. It's like, but this is what they loved about you. And this is what everybody else is going to love about you. And when I seen the responses, I don't know, it was a feeling. I tell people this all the time, they think I'm crazy. It was a better feeling than when I was scoring touchdown. And that's how I knew I was doing what I was supposed to be doing. That's really cool. Really cool. Who was the mentor? Out of curiosity, if we we circle back to that question from earlier, the people along the journey who help you, like he kind of pointed your eyes at something that you hadn't seen before. It's crazy. It's my dad's best friend. They grew, they've been best friends since like eight years old. So I always come to my pop. So I come to him for advice. So that's really cool. We are getting towards the tail end of the show. So I want to make sure that we touch on one of the most important parts. We've talked about obviously the hardships that you've been through, a couple of the highlights, the fact that you moved on to being a a motivator, an inspirer, a speaker, and an author is just amazing. And I mentioned the name of the book. I'll say it again, Trials to Triumph by Freddie Stevenson, well worth a read. But I don't want to finish without getting to the point of, really the point of the show is to take people who have faced 
pressure and stress of which you had a boatload from being a, a young boy all the way through to adulthood and probably still going when you're trying to sell a book. But you've had a lot of that. And then people who still manage to succeed in the face of that is to be able to share your experience and have the people who are listening facing their own challenges take some of what you give and put it into practice for their own life. And so with that in mind, what would be the simplest takeaway that you would say from your story people can apply in their own challenges day to day? I would just say trust the process. Don't try to rush it. Don't try to get to the end of the road. Just just trust it because you're going through everything that you're going through for a reason. If I would have had everything now handed to me years ago, even though looking back as a kid, you say, I want to play in the NFL 10, 15 years. But now it's like, man, I don't, I don't want that because I know what my purpose is. Of course, the money would be cool. But as far as purpose, once I found out what my purpose was, it wouldn't, the NFL would have did nothing for me. And some of the things I've been able to go on and experience in this new realm, if I would have got them two years ago, three years ago, 10 years ago when I wasn't mature enough to handle them, I would have messed up the opportunity. And a lot of these experiences that we go through, these obstacles, they're building blocks to make us more prepared for the future so that we can have that success for an extended period of time. Because you'll see a lot of people, they'll get that success, that instant gratification, and they won't be here tomorrow because they didn't build the foundation. They didn't take the time that they needed to take so that they would understand, they would gain wisdom, gain strength, gain everything that you need to be successful for a long period of time. And that's what's really helped me. When I was younger, I didn't understand it, but now it makes perfect sense. So now when obstacles come, it's like, all right, I, I know you're here, but I'm here too. I'm, yeah. You're not going to stop me. That's awesome. And if, if I'm going to, I'm going to paint a metaphor here. It might be as ugly as your first speech, but I hopefully it, it captures <laughs> the moment is that as a running back, you're, you're running and occasionally there'll be a, an obstacle that you have to either run through, which you did with your, your childhood. You're, there'll be an obstacle you have to, hurdle over which is you did with your your ankle maybe occasionally you have to hit the spin move button on madden because you have to pivot and run in a different direction and that happened when you had to change to fullback or when you had to change from being a football player to an author but you've managed to put all of these moves together some of them you didn't know you had but it's an inspiring story and i'm really glad you came on here to share it freddie that the last thing i want to touch on is what now that you're let's say you're a quarter of a way down the field, right? You've run 25 yards, well done. It's still a long way from a touchdown in terms of your life. So what's your hope? As you continue to move forward, there's going to be more obstacles that you'll either run through or hurdle or spin around or juke. What do you want to get out of the next 25 yards of your life? I would say just continuing to evolve. I'm a father now, so continuing to evolve as a, a father Hopefully I have a few more little ones. I got a daughter. I want I want a junior eventually. Just <laughs> co- continuing to evolve as a father. I want to get married. I've been with my girlfriend since high school, so she's putting pressure on me now. So we definitely got to get that done. And be Talk about succeeding under pressure. Wow. <laughs> and being the best husband I possibly can be and just using my, my life as an example to others. Not because I'm perfect, because I'm full of imperfections, but... I don't shy away from them. And you've seen what I've been able to make out of everything that I've dealt with when I was down, when I was working against myself, but also giving others the resources that they need to be successful. And that's the biggest thing. When I'm 50, 60 years old, looking back 
and being able to say, okay, I impacted these people's lives, not for a pat on the back or anything of that nature, but because they were able to go on and be the best version of themselves. And that's the biggest thing. And I've had talks with individuals about starting up a, a nonprofit just to give individuals those resources that they need. And I know when you look at the underprivileged youth, there are boys that need to be looked at, but also athletes transitioning after sports. I know when we came up, they always had the individuals that were successful come back and talk to us or the individuals that were successful and they blew their opportunities. But you never have an opportunity to hear from individuals that played and it never worked out for them. And now you have to hear how they were able to go on the transition. And mm. that's the void because 90% of the players are going to end up being that guy. Yeah, yeah. We're yeah. not going to all be the stars that get to go on and have an opportunity to make work or blow it. We're going to be the guys that never get a chance. So hearing how those guys were able to transition and giving them the resources to adjust to life after that situation. Yeah, so it's a great point. And I think the the ability for you to go back and help the people who have gone through your story will be really cool. You mentioned something there that I want to highlight as we bring the show to an end that you mentioned at the start, which was seeing your mom go through that 105 incident, the cheeseburger being split five ways that she could barely afford really instilled in you a, an inspiration and, and a motivation to do things for her. It wasn't as much about you. It was about doing it for her. And then you also mentioned at the end there that what you're looking forward to is doing stuff for other people, building a legacy, helping other people, giving them the resources. And it's, it's a little-known fact that it's better motivation, more sustainable motivation when you are doing things for love of other people as opposed to for yourself and for selfish reasons. And you're a living, breathing example of that, Freddie. So appreciate you living it and breathing it and doing it and keep doing that. As I said, Freddie's got a book out, real well worth a read, Trials to Triumph. Freddie Stevenson, thanks for being on the show and uh, we'll catch you soon. Yeah. Uh, excellent, Shades on and let me show you how. Yeah.